Pray with me, please. Our God and Father, you indeed are great. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for serving us and serving us to the uttermost. Washing feet and then dying on the cross. Rising again from the dead. And you no longer are dead, Lord. And you are, you've been raised. You've ascended to the right hand of the Father. And now you're ruling and reigning. We thank you for this. We worship you. We praise you. We ask now, God, that you would help us as we go through this time. I pray, Lord, that you give us understanding, give us clarity as what we'll be talking about today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is a day of a lot of ups and downs. And uh, Greg, I'm glad that uh, you uh, started things off today. I don't know if I could have done it <laughs> watching that video. Uh, it's, it's amazing to me all the things that have happened over the years. And those who are kind of new, uh, you've seen some of these things. And um, and uh, being here, of course, from the beginning, you know, the memories flood back. And so it's just amazing. And and I love that last part of the show, to be continued, dot, dot, dot. Isn't that great? So Lord willing, we will continue. And uh, I say yes and amen to that. Well, as we know, Grace United Family Church is an assembly. It's a church. And the Greek word is ekklesia. It literally means called out ones, as in we are the called out ones from the world and called unto Christ. And that's why, for example, we require every member of Grace United to be born again, to be saved, as we would call it. For every member in the local ecclesia is a small part of the worldwide ecclesia. Now, why am I making such a fuss over a word? <laughs> um, Simply put, ecclesia is not even a religious word. Not at all. See, in the first century, every town had an ecclesia. The citizens were called out from their homes and into a place to discuss the business of the town, the political business of the town. So the word ecclesia really is a, a political term. You know, I think of Brother Michael who sits on the uh, board of supervisors and trying to make decisions for for people in the county that affects thousands upon thousands of people. So, brother, I thank you for being the staunch person that you are to influence there. And so we need you to continue. It's great that you're there. The first century Christians adopted this word, ecclesia, for their gatherings when they got together, for they, too, discussed the business, wait for it, of the kingdom. They and we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, Whereas Paul said, we eagerly wait for our king to arrive and to clean house. Amen. Our king will give us resurrected bodies and the entire corrupt worldly system will be replaced. Jesus, who is ruling right now, will change locations from the right hand of the father to having his throne established here on this earth. And what a glorious day that will be. Amen. So when we as members of the ecclesia of Jesus gather on his day. We discuss the business of the kingdom as well. Our gathering from start to finish consists of what we call corporate worship. Every part of our time together is important. And corporate worship begins when? 1030. And when the upfront guy, usually Greg, says, welcome, good morning, welcome to Grace United Family Church at Historic Beulah Church, that's when corporate worship begins. 
Now, the music is important, but it is only one part of the corporate worship, contrary to what so many people believe. Prayer, the delivery of the message, time of open worship, a review of fellowship and ministry opportunities, an opportunity for giving, and everything else that goes along with our time together are all tailor-made to discuss the business of the kingdom and our membership in it so that all of us in the ecclesia may be refreshed and renewed and once again humbled as we bow at the feet of the king with all eyes and hearts fixed on him. Of course, our corporate worship time ends with what? Have a great week. That's when it ends. So we need to be here on time and consider every part of our time together as important. Now, I've said all that to say this. We have to discuss something of a very serious matter, a heart-wrenching matter. We just passed 10 years, and I praise God for, for the 10 years. You know, we've always been connected, though, to an organization, Southern Baptist SBC, and in particular, the SBCV, Southern Baptist Conservatives of Virginia. What I'm about to say may be good news to some of you. And, okay. And uh, <laughs> with others, it may be devastating, but no matter. This decision has been in the making for several years now. As a cat, we've, we've uh, spent a lot of time talking about it and thinking about it and praying about it. The time has come for Grace United Family Church to say goodbye to the SBC in the SBCV. As your pastor, it's a very sad day for me. A day of lament. Jesus prayed for unity in his ecclesia, but given the circumstances that not only I, but other members of the cat have noticed and are appalled by, we are convinced that it is our time to leave. Let me, however, briefly, though, present the case regarding our leaving the SBC and the SBCV with several red flags that cropped up. And the first one happened about four years ago when David Platt, head of the IMB at that time, the International Mission Board, and coupled with Russell Moore at that point, he was the head of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, they went to bat for an Islamic group to build a mosque in the northeastern part of New Jersey within a few miles of Ground Zero. Of all people, David Platt ought to know that when a mosque is built, Muslims believe that their God, Allah, has eternally given them that space. Russell Moore's reasoning for this, in his words, if Muslims can't build their mosques, then it's just a matter of time till we won't be allowed to build our big churches. It's that phrase, big churches, that caught my attention. Paul is clear. What fellowship does light have with darkness? And Yahweh is even more clearer. Have no other gods before me. For Platt and for Moore to join hands with Muslims for any reason was a big first red flag for me. Second red flag came in 2019 at the Southern Baptist Annual Meeting. Now, I wasn't there, but I heard a lot about it. The term CRT may be um, something new to you. It may mean something to you. For others, it may not, but it ought to. 
the foundation of CRT, critical race theory has a broader base called critical theory. Now, the idea simply is this. Marxism has entered the ranks of the Southern Baptist Convention and is beginning to do a lot of spiritual and relational damage. Critical theory works like this, if you don't know. There are only two classes of people in critical theory mindset, the oppressed and the oppressor. In the current climate, the oppressor class is this, white, cisgender, conservative, Christian males. A cisgender person is someone who believes that God has assigned one's sex at birth. We're not allowed to choose our gender. It's not a so-called social construct. I agree with that. The oppressor, according to critical theory, is one who has, quote, white privilege, meaning that white men simply enjoy cultural and social privileges and the oppressed do not. And most of the time, they don't even realize that they're doing it and have it. From this has developed in our culture several forms of, quote, justice to combat white privilege. Those who hold to this are convinced that no part of the culture can be redeemed. This is called systemic racism. It must be demolished and rebuilt, every bit of it. Some of the demolishing has taken the form of statues being removed, buildings being smashed and burned to the ground. Defund the police is part of this mess. There are other symptoms of critical theory that have taken hold in our culture. Things like the demand for one to call somebody by the pronoun they prefer. If someone refuses, then the one who deliberately misgenders one another or others can suffer severe consequences, like even the loss of a job. A huge buzzword in our day in this regard is called justice. But it's not justice as God describes it in the word, in scripture. See, God tells us that all must be treated fairly. It has nothing to do with one's ethnicity or sex or socioeconomic status or one's free or oppressed history. But in our current climate, several descriptions of justice have taken hold, tailor-made to topple systemic racism. There are at least four forms of justice in this view. Social justice, racial justice, economic justice, and even reproductive justice. Though it may be an oversimplification, I don't think I'm too far off the mark when I say, whenever you see or hear the word justice with a descriptor, it's Marxism. Plain and simple. Now, most of us know what Marxism is. For those who don't, think communism. Lenin, Stalin, Xi Jinping, and various others. Communism. It's anti-God. It's hating God. With that said, the Southern Baptists in their 2019 annual meeting did two things. First, the Resolutions Committee completely twisted a resolution proposal brought to them by a concerned pastor asking that critical theory in all of its forms be viewed as evil. The Resolutions Committee twisted it and brought it forward and worded it to indicate support for CRT. Its result was the infamous Resolution 9. It was brought up for a vote and was ramrodded and passed by the messengers. That's what the Southern Baptists call the delegates able to vote. The resolution in part was acknowledged that CRT was evil, but it also said that the CRT 
acknowledges it as a viable tool which can be used to assess the culture. From the passing of that resolution came an organization within the rank and file of SBC called the Conservative Baptist Network to specifically target things like critical theory and to make the attempt to bring the SBC back from the brink of falling into spiritual and practical heretical drift. So far, the network has not been able to pull it off. In the last annual meeting, a resolution was brought forward to repudiate Resolution 9. It did not make it past the committee. I hope you can see the wickedness here. God's word condemns favoritism and the pitting of one group of people against another group, even among his people. And to say that one is an oppressor just because of the color of one's skin, or one is oppressed just because of the color of one's skin, is sin. Jesus is clear that when he said that when we use demeaning terms and dehumanizing names, that we are in danger of hell fire because that indicates a murderous spirit. Critical theory reeks of it. Not only is script, not only that, but scripture is clear. We are all one in Christ. There is no one ethnicity that is lower or higher than another. All are equal at the cross. And resolution nine is at cross purposes with that. Third red flag comes in the form of a sexual abuse task force that the executive committee, the top notch people have stood up very recently. The genesis of this comes from an investigative report produced by the Houston Chronicle. It's a left-leaning newspaper that accused Southern Baptists of covering up sexual abuse of hundreds of workers and pastors. This article made it sound like many were still on the loose and in ministry, which is simply untrue. The final count of those, quote, still in ministry may be one. Now, Those are the latest stats as best I can figure. The rest of the perpetrators are serving jail time and some with life sentences. And there really was no need to launch an investigation. The perpetrators were already being taken care of. Nevertheless, this investigation, quote, created a need for an investigation of the alleged abuses to the tune of several million dollars coming from some segment of the cooperative program. And I don't know where that uh, segment is. Now, the cooperative program, as we know, Southern Baptist churches give money, all kinds of money, with the um, with the agreement, with the trust that this money is to be given for God's purposes. And now what are they doing now? They're spending millions and millions of dollars for this task force. We don't have time to get into the layers of corruption about this very thing. As I've been able to decipher these things as objectively as possible, my heart is broken over this. But I can tell you from the sources that I do trust that there is an agenda being pushed at the executive committee level, part of which includes having more control over the churches that make up the SBC, which includes the SBCB. And I will say that any, any sexual abuse is horrific. There's no question about that. But the SBC is a coalition of churches which all have their own ways of handling things. The task force seems to be the first step in having a hierarchical structure of the SBC. The case in point is just what happened on Friday. Maybe you've seen this. 
the Department of Justice is opening an investigation into the SBC over this very thing. A letter was drafted which includes wording that made it very clear that every SBC entity, and I can only assume it's every SBC church, will cooperate fully with the DOJ investigation. If we had time, I would get into the issue of the layers and layers of corruption in this. But let me just say this. God's word is clear. You shall not bear false witness. Fourth red flag has to do with women pastors. It's a blatant violation of scripture. And for Southern Baptists, it's a violation of the Baptist Faith and Mission 2000, which says that the role of pastor is reserved for men. This this document is part of what we adopted in our early days to adopt our own constitution and bylaws. Last year, Rick Warren, now in transition into supposed retirement, Saddleback Community Church ordained three women to the pastorate there. This year's annual meeting featured him speaking about things and trying to make a thinly veiled case for re-examining what exactly the word pastor means. It turns out that the top three Southern Baptist churches have women pastors on staff, as in the ones who on a Sunday morning, have regular duties to present the sermons. It's my contention that the SBC is making giant strides toward having women to be ordained as senior pastors in the future. One more red flag is that there's not enough already, is the issue of sermon plagiarism. That is stealing sermon material and passing it off as a preacher's own work. The last two SBC presidents were known to plagiarize and then cover up their deeds. Ed Litton, just the most recent Southern Baptist uh, president, was known for taking not only the wording of major points of a certain passage and passing off as his own work, but even taking practically word for word for personal anecdotes from others and making it sound like the story happened to him. Apparently, both J.D. Greer and Ed Litton have done this. At this past annual meeting, someone from the floor asked what the SBC should do about plagiarism to Ed Litton. And Ed Litton said, we won't talk about that here. God's word is clear. You shall not steal. There are many other things I need to stop. So this is a sad day for me. It's a time of lamenting. So we're going to do things a little bit differently today, as if you haven't discovered that already. We're going to spend time in prayer today, covering four areas. The overall state of the church, the state of the SBC and SBCD. The direction of Grace United, because we've never been here before. Where are we going to go? Who's going to play in our sandbox? And whose sandbox can we play in? I've done some investigation out there, and I tell you what, it's there's a lot. There's a lot of work to do. And finally, I want to close our time of giving praise to the Lord for the existence of the church and that the Lord Jesus has been building it for almost 2,000 years. In between times of prayer, the music team will be leading us in song, and I'm glad for their flexibility to, uh, on short notice, to, to rearrange things for us today. So in about five minutes, we're going to begin our time of prayer by having Brother Greg lead, lead, the sec- lead that section about the state of the church, followed by Kitty, and then Shirley, and then then myself. And I say five minutes because I want to open it up for any questions or comments that you may have. And so I need a, someone to volunteer as a timekeeper because we're going to have five minutes, no more. 
because I don't want to turn this into a business meeting, you know, because we're here to worship the king and the things that are on his heart and things that are on our hearts as well. And so with that said, uh, somebody could, um, Greg is going to do the timekeeping. And by the way, as, uh, as we get going here, uh, if there's some in-depth questions that you may have, um, then uh, go ahead and after the service, Greg and I will both be available to talk with you uh, offline. So, so any comments and questions? We have five minutes. Go. Okay, the question is, why is it that it's important that we be under the umbrella of someone else? Uh, it's not important as far as the umbrella, but it is important as far as fellowship. You know, Jesus prayed that we would be one. We can't be one by ourselves. We can't be unified with which is by ourselves. And so uh, as far as umbrella goes, we don't have to be under an umbrella, but we do need to be in fellowship with other churches and perhaps even other denominations. I don't know at this point, because again, I've never been here before. <laughs> you know, even when I was chaplain, I was under Liberty Baptist Fellowship, which was Baptist. They had now turned to Southern Baptist. But uh, again, I, I don't know where we're going from here. So we don't have to be under an umbrella, but we do need to be in fellowship. So yeah, Kathy. We've had some suggestions about that. A lot will have to do with how I'm going to be approaching that pastor or those pastors, you know, and then what what can we actually do to accomplish together? If we even do need to accomplish anything together, it may just simply be a matter of mutual accountability between the pastoral staff and, and us as the cat or something along those lines. But certainly we've done some things in, in group sessions before, remember, church in the field. I believe they're still doing that. They just haven't done it for the last couple of years because of COVID. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's there are definite possibilities around the area. Sure. Thank you. Question is, how do we find out? How do we know? And uh, that's something that we got to pray about because, uh, you know, we can we can look on their website and we can see, OK, this is part of their group, et cetera. But I tell you, there's there's a number of uh, denominations that uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't mind being a part of. Uh, however, they have their certain niche. You know, for example, there are those groups that are they're thoroughly, absolutely dispensational in their theology, which means that you must believe to a preacher rapture. Now, there's some here who believe that, uh, others that don't. You know, others believe other denominations believe you got to b- preach from the King James only. Others believe that you, if you take any alcohol at all in any way, shape, or form, you're sinning against God. So there's some there's some legalistic stuff that we want to avoid, um, but uh, it takes it's going to take a lot of wisdom and some time. So we don't need to rush into it, but yeah, we simply do need to um, move on as, as kind of as quickly as possible, but we need to take our time. That would be, uh, you want to talk about for Grace United? Now, as a matter of fact, even with the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, there are some things that I didn't totally agree with. So just basically essential agreement, but the denominations I just told you about, described to you, it's basically their niche. They say, you better believe this. You know, other things are very good. I mean, they believe the the cardinal doctrines of the faith, those kind of things. But this one particular I'm, I'm thinking about right now, if you drink alcohol in any way, shape, or form, you're sinning. I don't think we want to be part of that, you know, or got to preach the King James only. I don't want to be part of that, <laughs> you know. I mean, King James is a fine translation, but to hold ourselves to that, I think, is a form of legalism, and I think that we should not be doing that kind of thing. So. John. Yeah, that's good. It's a good question. But again, uh, when Jesus prayed, the, 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 the prayer that was on his heart before he went to the cross, he knew where he was going in a couple of hours. 
of all the things he could have been praying for, he prayed for our unity. And we can't be unified with just one. We need to demonstrate our answer to Jesus' prayer, that's that we be unified. And so again, we need to dovetail. We need to be in, in association with other churches. Again, doesn't mean we have to be under an umbrella. It just means we need to be in association with them. Before today, if we, the congregation, or the cat, had an issue with the pastor, we would have been able to go to SBCV and their leadership for counsel and to bring them in so that we could discuss the... the yes. Right. And so we would have an, an outside... Um, it's just like in Matthew, when you have a problem between you and a brother and you go to the brother and the brother won't listen to you, then you bring somebody from the church with you. So we would have been able to go to SBCV and bring someone with us. Okay? So if... And of course, we've, we've never had anything like that. But that's what's gone and and say so so that's why we want to have an association yeah. with with some other churches and congregations now to dovetail with that real quick the reason why uh we're we've lost that temporarily is because in our constitution bylaws it talks about that i am accountable to a pastoral accountability team meaning that you know if, if i've gone off the rails then, uh, you know, the cat would say, you know what, Glenn, you've gone off the rails. And I say, no, I haven't gone off the rails, et cetera. Well, with the unanimous vote, you know, they will say, okay, we are informing you. We're going to go to the PAP, the pastoral accountability team, and they will be able to advise me. It's not a, it's not a hiring and firing type thing, but it's, a, it's accountability. Now, the, the two people on my team uh, for that are part of SBCB. I'm just going to have to find another team is all. So... But now another thing as well that we have lost uh, as as when I write that letter and send it to the SBC is that we've lost our 501c3 status. We need to do that and we need to do it fairly quickly. And I, it doesn't cost very much to do that, but we have to do that because 501c3 basically means for insurance purposes as well as for taxes. With the SBC, it came with the uh, – it was basically an umbrella for all that. So, Kitty. Oh, Melissa. Um. We, yeah, we are at time. So um, for those of us that are not part of CAT and haven't been part of these conversations, um, what do you want from us? What can we do now to support? Obviously, we're all going to be praying about this. Do you need decisions today from us or are things going forward with the CAT? Where do, where do we walk out of here okay. from? Saying that we are totally independent as of today. Yeah, again, I'm going to be sending the letter into SBC and SBCV. Um, early part of next week. Um, but yeah, we are totally independent as of today. So you'd be praying, and if you need to, fast. You know, if the Lord leads you to do so, fast. Also, get some input from you guys concerning are there any good churches that you know of you know, that I can be possibly plugging into and plugging with. So, okay. Thank you. Yep. So um, with that said, um, we're going to have, uh, we're going to start our time of prayer Join with us as we pray. This is not just a time to just kind of, you know, sit back and let somebody else pray. Engage the throne of heaven with us. And so we're going to have Greg begin. We're going to begin by praying for the church. That's the church with the big C. 
And that's what Jesus meant when he was talking to Peter, when he named Peter and said, I, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So it goes beyond SBC, SBCV, it goes beyond any denomination. This prayer is inclusive of every person who would bow their knee to our Creator God and call Him Lord. And I want to begin um, by praying back to God the words of Paul uh, in his letter to the Ephesians. And Paul wrote, beginning in verse 15, For this reason, because I've heard of the love, your faith in Lord Jesus, and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and in revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. For there, for what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Lord, we give you praise that you would take us, the wretched, the lowly, call us out from the world, Call us out from the darkness into your light, into your family, into your kingdom. We regret the unworthy, the, the false prophets, the wolves in, in sheep's clothing that have been allowed to come into the body to deceive us to draw our eyes off of you who deserve our worship, you who all glory belongs to, and set our eyes upon the worldly things to distract us, to make those who you would draw to you twice the children of hell that they were before they walked in the doors. Father, we regret that we've taken our eyes off of you, that we've allowed the churches to become so worldly, so modern, so corrupt, that we put more importance on the numbers that get through the door on a given day and the, the amount of money that's put into the, the offering plate and what type of of vehicles and the numbers in the bank accounts 
that we look at the business of the church and think it's just another corporation. We are your bride. Paul used, he quoted, and he said, that for this reason a man shall leave his mother and father and and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And he said, this is a mystery, an example of Christ and the church. And we forget that, that we are your bride. You are our bridegroom. Yet we allow people to come in and dishonor your your bride. To try and dress her up and make her a harlot for society so that when you look at her, you are ashamed. Father, we ask that you awake those in the churches who are asleep, those who truly know you, who have bowed the knee to you, who know you are Lord, yet in their sleep sit silent and allow the false prophets and false teachers to draw away our families, our wives, our children. Give us strength, Lord. Not to just wake up, but to stand up and to speak up. And to do the hard work, even when it means saying no more. To shake the dust off of our sandals and move on. Father, we repent. We ask you to be with us as we turn away from those false teachers and move on. Help us to continue to proclaim your truth, to be steadfast in our belief, and to continue to preach your, your gospel and live out your truths, your commands in our lives. Father, we ask you to lead us here at Grace United to bring us into unity with your church, faithful members, regardless of denomination, regardless of association, that we might come together and show the world what it truly means to be united in Christian brotherhood. We give you thanks for all that you have done to bring us to this point. And we ask you to be with us as we go forward. And hear me, Lord, as I close out our prayer again with Paul's words. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory 
he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the spirit of your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Father, my heart is completely broken. There are so many Christians represented in this mess, and there are thousands and thousands of missionaries who depend on the SBC for their livelihood. And my heart is completely broken for them. So, Lord, with your permission, I really don't know how to pray for this. And so I'm going to ask you if I can set myself maybe in the place of SBC and SBCV and talk to you as I would wish and hope that they would and maybe one day speak to you. And I'm going to hide behind Daniel. Thank you for giving us his prayer for his people to give somebody like me something to hide behind. Oh, Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant. You keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we have not obeyed you. We have sinned and we have done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. And Lord, if it was just an organization that we were standing in judgment against, that would be one thing, but it isn't. Father, we have not prayed for the leadership of this group. We have not called them out. We've been silent, hoping things would get better. We have felt like that doesn't concern me. They don't speak for me, so it doesn't matter. And we have divorced ourselves from them. And now they are going down in a flame of destructive fire. And how many are being hurt along with them? We have refused to listen to wise servants of yours, pastors, prophets. They spoke your authority. They talked to them. They spoke to them. They warned them. Father, the very people that wrote the, the, the documents upon which the SBC stands have been being ignored. They have been tossed away. And now all the people, all the people, this is the largest denomination, I think, in the world. And all the people who are being hurt. Lord, you are in the right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. It is true of all of us, including people in every church, including all of our country and so many other countries scattered near and far. And I think about, again, our missionaries. Lord, you... Churches are being scattered everywhere now. 
because of this. It's not just Grace United, but it is hundreds of churches now are being scattered because of our disloyalty to you. Lord, we and our our pastors, our princes, our ancestors, Lord, the SBC, the SBCV, and everybody connected with them are covered with the shame that they have brought upon your church. We share their blame. We share their shame. We know that we all sin against you. We know that we've been trying to keep short accounts with you. And so we are sensitive and tender to this. Lord, you are our God. You are merciful. You are forgiving, even though we have rebelled against you. We have not obeyed you, O Lord, our God and your majesty. You have every right to order us and tell us what to do, and we have not followed your instructions that you have given us through your word and through the preaching of your word by your faithful pastors. Well, most of them. We have disobeyed your instruction. We've turned away refusing to listen to your voice. Had we prayed properly for our pastors, had we lifted them up, had we held them accountable, maybe we wouldn't be going through this. I don't know. But here we are, still refusing to listen to your voice. So now, there are curses and judgments that are coming against us. We remember Moses and he gave us the Ten Commandments and what's going on now flies in the face of almost every single one of them. Lord, you poured down judgment on the children of Israel because they refused. They refused the Ten Commandments. We're doing the same thing. How can we expect to not have the same judgments come down upon us? And for one thing, Lord, the SBC and the SBC is bleeding profusely and churches are leaving. People are leaving. You have kept your word, dearest king, and you will do exactly as you warned. Disaster will come. Disaster is already coming. It has already manifested itself. Everything that you have said will come true for everybody who refuses to seek mercy from you, dearest God and king, by turning from our sins and recognizing your truth. We know we deserve it, but Lord, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people when they were in Egypt and you gave such a great display of power. But we have sinned and are full of wickedness. And in view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from us. We are your bride. And Lord, so many SBC churches and SBCB churches are in the same boat. We are your bride. I know that the world is mocking us. They are mocking your people because of the sins that we've broadcast before the world because we considered the love of the world far more important than your love. Lord God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. For your sake, Lord, please smile again on your desolate pride. Oh, my God, 
Lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your church, the church that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve your favor, but because you are merciful. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. For your own sake and the sake of your name, dearest majestic king, do not delay. Oh, my God, for your people and your church and your bride bear your name. And I ask this in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, our God of the universe, thank you for your care for Grace United Family Church over the past 10 years. We have not wandered aimlessly. Lord, you have guided us in every step of the way. And we have proof of that because we've experienced what you have done. You have been faithful to your church, and we can sure we can be sure that you too will provide for our future. You see, Father, the wickedness of the world and how many who claim your name are falling under Satan's influence. We always need you, Lord. You are our life. Now we need to understand what direction you desire for us to take. Praise you that your ways are not our ways. Give us understanding of your ways in this culture. Remind us, Lord, that this is not our home and that our eyes are to remain fixed on you as we navigate this test. Let us with joy stand firm in your word and follow you above all else. May we bear your name with honor as we move forward into what is unknown to us. Lord, you are building your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We praise and worship you in Jesus' name. We've done a lot of confessing today of our sins and sins of the church. But I want us to leave here without reflecting on the hope that he has given. If it wasn't for Jesus coming to be the witness to the truth, where would we be? All kinds of religious leaders down through the ages have promised and disappointed, but not our Lord, because he is the truth. He is the life. Many people have suffered. Many people have died. There are people around the world today who are suffering and who are dying for the name of Jesus. I praise God for the fact that Jesus is king He's Lord. He will not abdicate his throne. One day he will return and he will clean up this mess. And I praise God for that. If nothing else that we have learned and we've witnessed today, God needs none of us, does he? He needs none of us. He does not need the Southern Baptist Convention. He does not need the SBCB. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. But he wants us to partner with him. And he wants us to draw near to him. And so he's given us a book. <laughs> he's given us the source of truth that we can read, that we can meditate on, 
and that we can apply to our lives and that our lives will be changed to be more like his. So I want to read a couple passages of scripture and then I want to uh, finish our time prayer and um, don't forget our giving. It's another act of worship and then we'll have one more song and then we'll be finished for today. But let's not let the things that we have heard and experienced today pass us by. Let's take these things. Again, we don't know where we're going. We really don't know where we're going. How many times have we experienced, those who've been here with us for a while, how many times have we experienced, Lord, we don't know what's happening. And uh seems like the Lord has always allowed us to fall forward. And I praise him for that. Paul writes to Timothy, his pit, his pastor in training. And he says in 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 16, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. A pillar and buttress the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. And he will come again. And then John 17, his prayer for us. 2,000 years ago, he was praying for us. Here's what he says. Father, do not ask for these only, as in my 11 apostles, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be, become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me before you loved, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I've made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Dearest Lord Jesus, the sweetest name that we know, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the one who washed feet, the one who hung on the cross, the one who took all of our sin, even all the horrendous many sins of the SBC and the SBCB, these men, these women, they're looking for power plays and and all those kinds of things. But Lord, who are we to stand in in self-righteous judgment of them? We ourselves, Lord, need to be careful that we don't self-righteously judge them. Lord, as we examine our own hearts, we continue to ask, Lord, that you would examine our hearts because, Lord, we are so good at justifying. We are so good at rationalizing. But, Lord Jesus, when you 
were standing before Pontius Pilate. You said, I've come for this reason. I was born for this reason to bear witness to the truth. And Lord, the world is not like the truth. The world cannot stand the truth. But Lord, we love the truth. We're tempted to turn away at times. We confess this. But Lord, we thank you that Lord, you being the truth, we're asking what Peter asked, Lord, to whom shall we go if we leave? You alone have the words of eternal life. So Lord, I commit myself as pastor of Grace United, I commit my brothers and sisters of Grace United to you as well. Lord, you are the truth and we follow you and we follow you alone. And we're asking, Lord, that you would help us in the days ahead. We're asking, Lord, that you would help us to, to not only know who to associate with, but Lord, that we would draw close to you. Because Lord, even as we're discovering, as we know that it's no longer a sin question, Lord, you hung on the cross and you took all of our sins away from us. Now it's a matter of being loyal to you. So Lord, I pray that you will help us to be loyal to you and to you alone. Lord, that we're not beholden to a denomination. We're not beholden to even another group of churches. We are beholden to you alone. And I pray, Lord, that you help us as we offer ourselves as a church to others, Lord, that we'll be able to fellowship with them and they with us. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to find like-minded brothers and sisters with whom we could fellowship with. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that the truth that your church is everywhere, even here in Mechanicsville. So we ask, Father, that you would help us Lead us, guide us. Lord, I pray that you protect us. Protect our own hearts from bitterness, from those things that we heard today. I'm sure it's caused a lot of anger in, in hearts. I know even going through, it's caused a lot of anger in my own heart again. But Lord, help us to be faithful in praying for our brothers and sisters. Lord, those who have been deceived, the upper echelons, the SBC and the SBCD. We ask God that you cause them to repent. Help them to see who they are in you and not who they are according to what the world has to offer them. So, Lord, lead us, guide us. Thank you, Lord, for these things. And I pray now, Lord, as we turn our attention to our giving, that's another act of worship. Help us, Lord, to do this because you want us to, and because, Lord, we know that we can never outgive you. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the power to get wealth, and we thank you, Lord, that you've given us an opportunity to give you back just a small portion of what you so generously blessed us with. And I pray now, Father, that is... Also, we turn our attention to our singing as well. One more song. Lord Jesus, that you'll be honored and glorified through our voices. And we thank you, Lord, for what's happened here. And we ask God that you would lead us and guide us as we go out of here to be your witnesses in Jesus' name.